0: Bibles and open up to 1st Corinthians 1st Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, this is kind of the primary place we're going to be and then we're also going to shift over to Romans 12 and we're going to end up ending in uh, 1st Peter 4 with a couple other passages in between. But as we we navigate this, I want to uh, start with a question. For you to think about. And that question is, what do you have the natural ability to do? Think about that for a minute. What do you have the natural ability to do? Now, there's no doubt that within the unique makeup and construct of us as individuals, that some of us are very gifted in some things, and others of us are gifted in others. And that's evident for some. And One example would be uh, musically, okay? Some people just have a knack for it, right? And they seem to just be naturally gifted in that way. And you have people like Mozart who wrote his first composition when he was five years old, okay? Others of us would recognize athletically. Some of us are more inclined to be good at that than others, And some of us tried, and it was very evident that we were not gifted in that way. Okay? But then there's aspects where we can identify little things that maybe we just have a knack for, and it comes easy to us, and there's these natural abilities that we seem to have. And while there's no denying those parts of us that are naturally a part of who we are, we often make a grave mistake in confusing our natural giftedness with that of a spiritual nature. While we can often find some correlations between the two, we would do well to recognize there is a difference. Everyone say, a difference. It's so good to hear your voice. I just going to say that. A difference in purpose, a difference in how they come to be, and a difference in how we see them. So today, we're continuing in this series focusing on the, the person of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say person. Okay, and that's what we talked about last week, and understanding the Spirit has a personal nature. The Spirit is, in fact, God, and this promise that, in fact, because of the promised Spirit, we're not left alone. And so even as we navigate and look at this today, we're going to look biblically at the way in which the Spirit of God gifts the people of God for the work of God. The way in which the Spirit of God gifts the people of God for the work of God. And if you get nothing else out of this, I want you to take away this one thing. And it's in order, my goal here is to simplify this in a way that brings understanding and kind of clears up maybe some confusion here between what natural ability looks like as opposed to spiritual giftedness. And so the main idea is this, spiritual gifts are expressions of faith that aim to increase faith. Spiritual gifts are are expressions of faith with an aim to increase faith. Now, in order to do this, we're going to look kind of specifically at two aspects, two things we see within Scripture that pertain directly to this. And so the first one that I want to identify in correlation with our main idea is that in Scripture, when it comes to spiritual giftedness... There is unity in diversity. It's all about Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. There's unity in diversity. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, whether you're using a hard copy of God's Word or you've got a phone with a digital Bible, everyone's eyes on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. Everyone say mute. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Now, Father, as we evaluate this, may you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. May you bring clarity to this, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first thing I want you to pull out of this, identifying unity in diversity, that true spiritual gifts fulfill the purpose of the Spirit, not the one with the gift. Okay? And we look at verse 11, and we see that all of these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Okay? So in the midst of all of this, we can identify that the Spirit doesn't somehow indwell us and then all of a sudden we get to kind of pick and choose. But it's, it's literally according to His purpose and His will in order to glorify ultimately God in what he's seeking to accomplish in his church Now another passage that emphasizes this even further is in John chapter 16 and in John 16 It says when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak And he will declare to you the things that are to come This is Jesus talking, and he says in verse 14, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, whether we recognize this right away or not, it becomes apparent that the purpose of the Spirit is to gift people so that they would accomplish whose purpose? God's. Everyone say God's. Okay? And there's this synonymous unity amongst all three of the persons of the Godhead. And we talked about that last week. And then when we come to a passage like this and we see the spirit of truth speaks whatever he hears, in other words, what he's given to by the Father so that he will ultimately glorify Christ in the same things that Jesus is teaching his disciples when he says this. Now, right away, we recognize a big distinguishing marker, what should be distinguished between gifting of the Spirit and natural abilities. We see many people, well outside the faith and outside the church, who are gifted in various ways, and they often seek to glorify whom in those instances. Themselves. They seek to glorify their person, their abilities. They seek to be the greatest at whatever they do. And while there's nothing intrinsically wrong with pursuing excellence, if our motivation is solely internal to glorify our own person and our own being, then we cannot look at that and say, this is God's gifting in my life. Because spiritual giftedness ultimately glorifies God, not the person who's acting. Now, the second portion in first, this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, it continues with this theme, and if you saw in the first 11 verses, there's a consistent pattern. Did anyone notice what that is? What word is said over and over again? What, what word is referenced back consistently? Spirit. Okay, what else? One... Or same. So the focus here is not necessarily on the individual gifts themselves, but rather on what unifies them all together. And so the second portion of this, if we start in verse 12, it says, for just as the body is one, speaking of the body of Christ, but in this referencing the human body, And as many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, I want to pause for a minute and speak specifically to something going on around us right now that this passage in particular speaks to. We are all made in the image of God no matter where we're from or what we look like every human being is made in the image of God with that being said as followers of Jesus when we see any any member made in God's image who is being isolated or harmed or facing injustice We in Christ should be the first to speak out about it, not to avoid it, because we know, we know these truths in Scripture. And we do this in other areas. We speak out boldly in other areas. We speak out boldly as the church and and not just speak, but act when it comes to injustice to the unborn. We, we don't just speak out boldly, but we act when we see injustice in sex trafficking. We want to do something about it. Why is that? Because we believe that all persons are created in the image of God. Amen? So when we see any person made, recognizing they're made in the image of God, or a group of people who are being isolated or segregated, we as the church should be the first to speak up and not just speak up but take action, not push it away. And I want you to consider what that looks like in relation to what we're talking about today, that it's in one spirit that we are all baptized. Jews, Greeks, slaves free, and all were made to drink of one spirit because there's this division going on amongst cultural entities within the church. And so not just in the culture that we're facing, that we should be modeling Jesus to, but in the very family of God, there are divisions because people disagree with each other. That should not be. If we are in Christ, we are of one spirit, one body, with various members doing their roles and tasks. Now in verse 14 it goes on, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a foot, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of a a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there, get this, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, if you focus specifically on verse 25 in that, we should understand that the gifting of the Spirit brings less division and more care. How you care will look different. In other words, recognizing our spiritual giftedness, recognizing these aspects of this, should bring more unity and more care for each other, not less. How we go about caring for each other is going to look different because we're each different parts of the body. Some similar, some unique, some different. That's the beauty of how God has gifted His church. Now this is all centered around the focus of that there's unity and diversity, that ultimately it's all about Jesus. That's the purpose of the gifting of the Spirit, to glorify and to further what Jesus started within His disciples as He taught them on earth. That's why in John 14, where He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, the Spirit's going to come and continue to teach you and equip you and carry on what has already been started. But the second thing we see in the midst of all of this and within the gifting of the spirit that I hope you've picked up by now is that natural abilities do not equal spiritual giftedness. Natural abilities do not automatically equate to or equal spiritual giftedness. And the simplest way for us to recognize that is to see that within my own natural abilities, I can find someone who is not at all walking a life glorifying to God that has the same natural abilities as me. And so this goes back to our main idea. What, if, if natural abilities do not equal spiritual giftedness, what is the difference? Spiritual gifts are expressions of faith. Everyone say faith that aim to increase faith. Natural abilities don't always do that. Now, both are given by God, but their purposes are different. Spiritual gifts are expressions of faith that aim to increase faith. Now, I want to give you a biblical example of where this is talked about. It's in Romans chapter 1. It's going to be up on the screen. Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And this is Paul in his introduction to the church at Rome. And he says to them, For I long to see you, get this, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to what? Strengthen you for the purpose of increasing faith. You, get, you see that? That is that, get this, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. To summarize, what Paul's saying here is he's emphasizing our main idea. I long to come to you that my spiritual giftedness might encourage you in your faith, increase your faith. And beyond that, that you would increase my faith. That's the picture here, church. The picture here is of the commitment of God's people to express their faith in their unique giftedness so that the people around them would be encouraged and equipped in their faith so that together you have this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we begin walking together towards what Jesus has called us to rather than segregating us out and going, Well, I'm on my journey, you're on yours. Let's let's do this. And instead, it's a, it's a face-to-face instead of simply arm-to-arm where we're encouraging and speaking into one another's lives. That's the purpose of the gifting of the Spirit. Sometimes we get so caught up with identifying or naming our spiritual gift that we miss the whole purpose behind our spiritual gift. Or we limit ourselves because we're fearful that we might have our spiritual gifting wrong. Other times, we morph our spiritual gift with our natural abilities. Everyone has natural abilities, but not everyone has spiritual gifts. That is for those who are in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. And sometimes the two morph, okay? But I can tell you for a fact that when I was in high school, the things I liked to do the least were reading, writing, and speaking in front of people. God has a sense of humor. But I can tell you that the way I am most passionate and excited to seek to encourage people in their faith is through teaching and through meeting with people on an individual basis. That can only be accomplished because God foresaw that's exactly where He wanted to put me. Now, there's natural abilities in there that can be used to encourage other people too but every one of us has some way that God has gifted us that he's already been using to encourage other people and you either have seen it or you haven't. And so as you consider that, one of the biggest challenges you may have right now is to stop and think about how you are best equipped to increase and encourage people in their faith. Is it through writing a card? Is it through words? Is it through actions? Is it through teaching? Is it You see, then you start to unpack and you see where these gifts if all of a sudden they're not so focused about me and what I am able to do, but more focused on bringing glory to God and encouraging others, it changes the dynamic. Now, as we shift to application, in the time we have left, really the question of, how do I even begin? Some of you may have a grasp on this, and others of you may be going, I don't, I don't even know where to start. There's so many possibilities. Where, where do I begin? The first place to begin is this. If you are in Christ, you are spiritually gifted. Use it. If your faith is in Christ... The promise of Scripture is that in Christ, the Spirit dwells within us. And it's the same Spirit that 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that equips us and gifts us that we might encourage others. Now, to think about this more specifically, I'm going to turn your attention to Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. In Romans 12, starting in verse 3, it says, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. So first out of the gate, it's not about us, it's about God. Verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. There's that oneness, that unity in diversity again. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now you see, we often take that last portion and we focus solely on the question of what is my gift without stopping to consider why does God give us gifts to begin with? And so you can find studies and books galore on surveys on identifying your spiritual gift. But very few of them stop to consider why do we have spiritual gifts in the church to begin with. It's not just so I can walk around and say, this is my gift. But it is for the purpose of equipping and encouraging and building others up in their faith. And so some of you may identify as I'm saying this, wow, I I may be in the wrong area. Because I could see over here where I've I've been encouraging people for years. I just never thought that was my gift. Now, this is the same concept that we seek to embody within even our mission statement as a church. To glorify God, making mature disciples of Christ as we, what? We worship, we grow We serve and reach. If we don't understand why God's gifted the church in the way He has, or what purpose it's to serve, then we can't fully embody this as a church. We might have some semblance of worship. We might grow, we we definitely will grow in our understanding of who God is, but... Serve becomes a lot harder if we don't know where, where am I fit to serve. What should that look like? And so, as I was thinking about this, I wanted to give a, a, a few categories specifically. Because sometimes I think we limit ourselves because of our circumstance or because of what we're enduring right now. And we go, if I, if I could just get past this, then, then I can really devote myself to the giftedness God has equipped me with or, or figuring that out. But in reality, who does, who does this apply to? This whole concept of motivation, of, of pursuing and living in light of your spiritual gifts. Here's the people that it applies to. Those who are single... Whether you're a teen, a young adult, an older adult, a widow or a widower, your giftedness is not dependent on another person. Look for opportunities to express your faith and encourage the faith of others. Secondly, those who are married, your joint giftedness is a powerful tool to be wielded for the kingdom but can also be a great divide in your home. Partner together to express your faith in order to encourage and build up the faith of others. Those who are parents, you will either focus on developing your children's natural abilities towards worldly pursuits, or you will instruct them on identifying their own spiritual giftedness in expressing their faith in order to build others up in their faith. Now, all of those categories aren't to say that there's still not a place for devoting yourself personally to personal growth, devoting yourself to the development and time invested in the individual Likes of your children and and working with that but ultimately at the end of the day when we stand before God none of the things that we have done earthly for earthly sake are going to matter for anything But what will matter is what we chose to do with the giftedness that God entrusted to us And the opportunities to fulfill that giftedness throughout our lives Spiritual gifts are an expression of the faith we have with the aim to build up the faith of others around us. Don't wait until you know for certain where you are gifted to try. Now, as we close this time, I'm going to have the worship team come up, but what I want us to do is I want us to stand and I want us to read, we're going, I'm going to have 1 Peter 4 up here, 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11 on here, and I just want us to read this together, okay? Because at the heart of all of this, if there's one passage that embodies a takeaway, and really a prayer, it's this. And so I'd ask you to read this with me, and then I'm going to close this in prayer, and we're going to sing One last song together. So let's read this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, as we consider this, may we be challenged to not only discover where you've gifted us, but to look around at the opportunities we have to serve other people in a way that increases their faith and ultimately in a way that glorifies you above all else.